Welcome to Grace New Hope in the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, Randy is teaching about John and how our passion is greater than our power. Please turn your Bibles to Luke as we continue our series, Been With Jesus. Let's listen now. Um, open your Bibles up. We're, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3, but that's not the verse that I want to read to you. I want to read to you from the book of Jeremiah this morning. Let me tell you how you get to Jeremiah. You go to Psalms and you turn right and go to Proverbs. Do not stop, do not stop at Song of Solomon. We're gonna talk about marriage next week. Um, I, wanna, I wanna read this one verse for you. This is, and if we, can, if we can stand as I read this one verse. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse nine. This is what the prophet Jeremiah says. He says, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. There is in my heart as if there were a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. And he says, and I am weary with holding it in. That there is a word, there is a, there is a message, there is a hope inside. It goes all the way into my bones and I can't hold it in. And this is him, he says, and he says, and I cannot. So we're gonna speak the word. It's what we're going to do this morning. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Flip over to Luke chapter three. I want to talk to you this morning about passion and power. Listen, there are real powers in the world, right? They're real. April 15th is approaching. It's a real power. They can garnish your wages, take your home, put you in jail. And that's power. This is a real power. There, there's, there's, there's lights out there, and if you go through one of them when it's red, there's real power. There's nations. Real, real, I, I was talking, I was talking with, a, with a leader in the military this week just about the state of the world. He says it's scarier than anybody knows. There's stuff going on. All, there's real power. So how do we live in the midst of that? You're a student and your teacher gives you a grade. That's power. That, that's their decision. You know, when it's math, it's, it's, it's not that complicated because it's just yes and no. I mean, you can prove that, but about everything else, it's a decision. It, it's arbitrary, real power. There's a story that my dad used to tell and he would laugh, and I don't know if it's true. This is probably one of those stories that's not true. See, this is the difference in me and every other preacher. When I tell you a story that's not true, I'm gonna tell you it's probably not true. But it's a great story. There's this, the, the USS Enterprise, not the Star Trek one, okay? CV6, 1942. It's approaching a light ahead, and, and the helmsman says, this is the USS Enterprise CV6 to the light, in front of me, yield 20 degrees aft. Is that the right word? Some Navy person, to the right. What would the right be? Starboard, thank you. All right, all right. It's a good thing to have some military people in the room when you need them. 20 degrees starboard. USS Enterprise, yield 20 degrees. What's to the left? Port, thank you. All of a sudden on the radio, this is Captain Murray of the USS Enterprise. Sorry, it's not Kirk, all right. Yield twin degree starboard. This is Ensign First Class Jones. 
yield 20 degrees port. All of a sudden on the radio, this is Admiral Bull Halsey. I command an entire carrier fleet, yield 20 degrees starboard or you will be sunk. This is Ensign First Class Jones. This is a lighthouse. Yield 20 degrees starboard. Port. Just because something has power doesn't mean it's right. What fills us, what fills us, has to be something that's true and that's good. Look look at this, Luke chapter three, verse one. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being Petrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, Tetrarch. Look, look at all these, look at all these people. This is power right here. Tiberius came into power in 14 AD. Pilate, 26 to 36. This is Herod, the son of Herod the Great, the infamous one who had the slaughter of the innocent, that Herod, his sons took over control of the region. So you have basically a president, a governor, and kind of like a county mayor here. This is real power. These people could execute you without trial. This was real power. Look look at the next one. It says, says, during the high priesthood of Annas, Annas was was high priest from six to, to about 15 and, and at that point, the Romans deposed him. They, they didn't like him. He was too religious. So they deposed him. And Caiaphas, who was a little more politically correct for the Romans, was put, that was the son-in-law. All the Jewish people still saw Annas as the leader. But Annas and Caiaphas here. This is the religious and the political power of the day. But look what it says. There's this little sentence right there in the midst of this. Look at this. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. That is not nearly as impressive as Tiberius and Pilate and Herod and Annas and Caiaphas. But look at this. And the word of God came to John. Hey, I'm gonna throw a title in there too, son of Zechariah. I got one Zechariah, my Zechariah, I raise you a Zechariah over your Tiberius. There's a power here. The, the word of God comes in the wilderness. How do you battle power? How do you stand against power when power is wrong? I I remember, some of y'all remember this, okay? Back in the 80s, we had this thing called the power team. Does anybody remember the power team? Yeah, a few y'all, okay, you're showing your age. So I um, I was the head of security for the Jesus Festival a couple years and, and, um, which tells you how bad, it was, how bad it was on the list to get somebody to be head of security. It was me. And I had a little golf cart and a little flashing light and the whole deal. And, and those guys would get up there, man. And, and I mean, if the power team was, was, do we have a picture of the power team? Oh, there they are. Look at them. I mean, yeah, all natural, I'm sure. Um, so these guys, these guys would come in and they would rip phone books in half. They would blow up hot water bottles and explode them. Uh, um, they would break baseball bats. And look, it was, I mean, it was real. They were strong dudes. They were really strong dudes. But they would come out, and the leader of them, uh, John Jacobs, the guy in the middle, he would come out, and he would go, 
We are the power team. And we are here to wage war on the devil. And we would all scream and they would play this 80s guitar rift. I need Daniel, you know? Play me an 80s guitar. And we would just all scream. I, and I don't know, I, I, mean, I guess it was better than being in the Kiss Army uh, at the time. I don't know what the Kiss Army did. Maybe they declared war on ABBA or something. But, but the ABBA fan club, I don't know. But, but, the, but it was... It was like, yeah, let's, let's tear up phone books and stuff. And, and it was impressive. And, and, I, and God used their ministry. I'm not belittling their ministry. But I don't think that's how we wage war on the devil. Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna put it on the screen, but you can flip over there. It'll be in the devotions this week. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna do the devotions on my Facebook page this week as well in the mornings um, and, and put those on. I'm gonna record those as well this week. He says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of your might. Is that what it says? No, his might. His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Look at this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. How do we stand against the devil? How do we stand against evil? This, this whole thing of principalities and powers. Some of you guys have come here because you've chosen to give church one last chance in your life. Thank you. Thanks for trusting us with that. Let me just, I'm gonna say this in advance. I will disappoint you. Hopefully not this morning, okay. But, but, but I will disappoint you at some point. Just please accept that. Some, you'll call me and I won't call you back or, or I'll say the wrong thing at the wrong time or, or I'll make a decision and you won't. I will disappoint you. You've been hurt at some point. Listen, try being in the ministry. But most of the time, it's not the people. Even in this thing, it can become this institution. And I look back now, I, I look back now, there, I, I grew up in a town called Wilmore and, and I felt like it was really this legalistic place. So I mean, any of you guys grew up in churches or something that you felt were really, really legalistic? I'm not gonna ask you where it was, okay? Okay, I want you to think back. How many people were really legalistic? And how many people were sweet and loving and kind? I think back to my, home, my, my childhood and I thought it was really legalistic. I got about two people, about two people. Most everybody was loving and kind and, 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 and somehow it became this institutional thing. If you've got church hurt, that's a word now. Thank you for trusting us, for being here. Tell us if we mess up, call me. Uh, tell the elders, if, if, if you don't like what I do, tell the elders, that's why they're here. I, I'm, just, but, but sometimes it's not about the person. Sometimes it's just about what's going on in the, in the scope of things. And how do we stand against that? He says, we have to be strong in the Lord. There is real power here. There's real power here. And that power is this word that comes from the wilderness. I think you got a triangle in your notes. You have a triangle in your notes. 
All right, I wanna talk to you. You got one? You don't have a triangle in your notes? All right, draw a triangle in your notes. Okay. Three things about the way we, we grow in relationship with each other, up in and out. Here's the, here's the first one. Uh, in our identity, look at this in, in verse three. We have a repentant belonging. This is in, this is how we belong to Jesus. And he went to the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance. Now, an incredibly offensive thing to say. John's gonna say some offensive things, but in a minute he talks about brood of vipers. Preaching a baptism of repentance to Jews was a much worse thing because Jews thought they didn't have to be baptized. You got baptized if you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a follower of, of the Jewish tradition, you got baptized. You got baptized into Judaism. So to say you gotta get baptized is the most offensive thing you could possibly do, to say to a Jewish person, incredibly offensive thing. For the forgiveness of sins. Well, wait, wait, wait. We, no, we have a system for the forgiveness of sins. It's over there in the temple. No, that's not what you do. This is repentance for the forgiveness of, wait a minute, what, what's going on here? As is written in the book, he's saying, no, go back and look at what it says. And this is my job. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. This is from Isaiah chapter 40, verse three. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be made low. This is the Dukes of Hazard theme song, by the way. And the crooked shall be made straight. Go back and listen to it, it is. And the rough places will become level and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now look at this. This is not very invitational. I'm not saying this today, I'm reading this to you. I wanna be really clear. You brood of vipers. Wow. That's pretty strong stuff. Why is he, why is he using what we would call hyperbole? Why is he speaking harsher? Tom, stop. Why, when would you hear those words, Tom? You're a little kid, you're a little kid, you're a little kid. Son, you're getting ready to run out in the road. He uses hyperbole here, this over, he, he calls them a brood of vipers. It's the strongest thing he can say, not because he's trying to harm them, but he's gotta get their attention. They've gotta understand this. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Do not depend on your heritage. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. He's being incredibly harsh here. But you see, particular sins need to be repented of particularly. You're not gonna grow unless you do. You say, Lord, is, is search me, create in me a clean heart. Search, search me, oh God. See if there's any wicked way within me. You should stop at least 15 minutes a week and stop and get quiet with your journal and the word and read those words from scripture and say, God, is there anything here that I need to stop? Stop. That I need to search and see, it, am I taking a step in a direction here that if I keep going in this direction, it's gonna take me towards death? 
And he'll tell you. He will. He'll tell you. Amen? He'll tell you. He doesn't want you to go down those paths. So how do you not go down those paths? We had a, a prayer night about a month ago. We have another one coming up next Monday night. And one of our young adults, Chi-Chi, said this in a, in a prayer, and I wrote it down. because it, It's so powerful. She said, Lord, may we know the weight of your wrath and the density of your mercy. Wrath is, is not, I hate you. Wrath is, I have a passion for you that I am not gonna allow you to go into places that are gonna be destructive. That's what the word means. If you look up, if you look at it in the Greek and in the Hebrew, it, it's not a word of, of anger, of hatred. It's a deep word of, who do you feel the most intense emotions for? The people that you love, the people that you care about. So, so how, do we, how do we move forward? How do we live out? That's the end part. It's a place of repentance. We don't repent. Look, repentance is not just stopping something. Repentance is going to something. When, when a little kid, Tom's a little kid, and, and mom yells, Tom, stop, and he sees, the, he understands, and you turn and you run back to your mom or your dad. And, and if you're a good parent, what do you do? You pick them up and you hold them. And that's the nature of God. I just, I say this a lot. When God steps into the garden, he does not say to Adam, what have you done? He says what? Where are you? That's the heart of God. It's always been the heart of God. Is there, is there sin in the world? Yes. Is there a cost to that sin? Yes. If there isn't, then the cross is meaningless. But the heart of God is the heart of a compassionate, loving, good father. Don't miss that. What do we do? The crowds ask him, what do we do? This is the out part. How do we live our lives? Proverbs chapter three, verse five. We've gone here a couple times. You've probably already got it marked in your Bible. This is how you do it. It closely relates to Ephesians chapter six. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We thought that word lean was like a word from like the last two years. You need to lean in. Listen, the Bible's been in this a long time. Lean in. You need to lean in. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, this is how you, this is how you grow. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. How do, you, how, do you, how do you stop doing stuff that you don't? You lean on him. You acknowledge him. I just know this for me. Every time I find myself in a place that I don't want to be, it's because I haven't listened to him. I'm not listening to him. I'm not, I've, I've, I've neglected the word, I've neglected my prayer life, I've neglected my journal time, I've neglected that time, and then I find myself in this place that I don't wanna be in. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. If you're an athlete and you wanna know what the coach wants you to do, the coach is mad at you all the time, you know what you need to do? What? Go ask them. It'll increase your playing time, I promise. I, I've been on so many sidelines Kids come over, coach hates me. 
Like, coach doesn't hate you. He yells at me all the time. Well, he doesn't talk to those guys at all, does he? No, they don't play. Aha. Coach doesn't hate you. He depends on you. He needs you. Go and ask him. Go and ask her. What do I do here? How do I move forward? How do I trust in the Lord? Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. Verse 11, and he said, just really practical stuff here. This is very Sermon on the Mount. Remember, remember, the word came to John in the wilderness. Was that Jesus hanging out with him in the wilderness? I don't know. Maybe. It's a little ambiguous there. I'm not gonna jump to that conclusion, but it could have been they were cousins. They would have had conversations. They're about 30 years old now. They would have talked. They would have hung out at family reunions. They would have gotten some food and gone and sat in a corner and hung out and talked, theology. Everybody else out there playing and talking about the Romans and taxes and stuff, and John and Jesus are over there talking theology. This is what he said. Here, live a life of compassion. If you got two tunics, Share with one who has none, and if you got food, do likewise. Here's the first thing, just live a life of compassion. Tax collectors, if you're government or power, you can, you can extrapolate this out, you can apply this to anything of power. You're a boss, you're, you own a company, whatever. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. So did the message work about calling them brood of vipers? Yeah, it did, it did, because look who's coming. The crowds come. The tax collectors come, and he said to them, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorized to do. So honor your position of care. If you are in authority, you are in a position of care, not control. As a believer. Now, I know the world sees that different, but we ain't them. If you're in a position of leadership, I got a brother that's watching right now. You're a mayor. It's not about control. It's about care. Amen, Brother Harold. Okay, I know that's what you're saying. We talk about this all the time. This is not about control. It's about caring for the people in your care. And look at this. Soldiers asked him, what shall we do? These are Roman soldiers. What do we do? Remember this. There wasn't a police force. The Romans was the army and the policing force. We have a lot of law enforcement in this room. I see some of you guys this morning. What do we do? We have military people. We have military people deployed right now. What do we do? He said, don't extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be content with your wages, which is a strong thing to say to police officers that don't make much money. Just go and look. We put a whole lot on those men and women without a lot going back in. And this is what he says, when you're in a place of authority, you don't use that authority to harm people. Don't use your strength to harm. That could apply in all kinds of places, couldn't it? Don't use your strength to harm. So there's the in, there's the out, now here's the up part of the triangle. I love this, verse 15. As the people were in expectation. 
There was something about what he was saying that was pulling people in and they just had to respond to it. They, they had to. This is Jeremiah 29. It's a burning in my bones. I, I gotta talk about this. I gotta talk about this. They were questioning in their hearts concerning John that he might be the Christ. Listen, this is what we do. Here's the up part. You point to Jesus. You point to Jesus. Do you live a life that's worthy of people asking what's going on? This is 1 Peter 3.15. Yes, yes, that people would say, what's the deal with you? Why do you not respond the way everybody else responds? Sometimes those things that are happening in your life is a place that it's an opportunity that God's giving you. John said, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's talking about his cousin. Think about your cousins right now. If they are not God, are you saying this? His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the thresh floor, to gather wheat to his barn. The chaff he'll burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, look at this. He preached good news to the people. Make sure that your your message is one of good news. Make sure the gospel that Jesus, look, this, I know there's churches whose taglines are best life now. I ain't going for best life now. I'm going for best life forever. Very different thing. Now, I, I like, You follow God's principles on money, you follow God's principles on marriage, you follow God's principles on parenting. All of those things work practically. Relationships, friendships, all those things work practically until you deal with someone who has power that doesn't follow those things and then it doesn't feel so good. But the last time I checked, I don't know any Herods, Pilots, or Tiberiuses. I know a lot of guys named John. How many guys named John are in the room today? We got some Johns in the room today. There's a power that goes beyond, this is, this is how you stand, this is how you fight these battles. That there is a truth that shows itself over time. There is still power going on, look at this, verse 19. Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, Herod was Herod had taken his brother's wife. If you get nothing out of this other than this, do not marry your sister-in-law, okay? Unless your brother dies, all right? Do not marry your sister-in-law. There you go, that's good common sense. All right, no win there. He locked him up, eventually took his head. There's, There's power going on, but look, there's also passion when all the people were baptized, when Jesus had been baptized and was praying. Listen, John baptized Jesus. Put that on your resume. Is there a power here going on in the world and you look at that power and it's a real power and it's not fair and it's not right. And you got wrong. And I'm sorry, I am, I'm sorry, I mean that. I'm sorry you got wronged and it wasn't fair and it wasn't right but that does not mean that you let that power be bigger than the passion that's inside your life. People were baptized. Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. John gets a first row seat to the work of God. 
and he lost his head. Was it worth it? Well, you'll have to ask him. But it sure looks like it was. If I say I won't mention him or speak any more of his name, there's in my heart as if were a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Let me tell you about my grandkids just for a minute. Kind of goes with this verse, doesn't it? You ever, you guys that are young, you run into people that's got grandkids. How many of y'all got grandkids? Can I get an amen on this? Yeah. I know you younger people, you're like, okay, I'm glad you're a grandparent. Listen, you're gonna be worse than us because you've got this entire photo and video record of their lives. You're gonna be so much worse, Step, you're gonna be so much worse because you've got all these pictures, you get all these pictures and videos and stuff and you know, we've only got a few pictures of Sarah. You got thousands of pictures. It's gonna be worse. When our worship team, you guys come on up here. When our granddaughter Harper was born, April 2nd, 2016, we were on our way to the beach and Daniel called with a bunch of kids, 150 kids. We turned around and came home and, and four o'clock that afternoon, I got a phone call. There had been a horrific accident at the beach. You know, the ocean's a little bit like a car. You think you're okay and in control of it until you're not. Listen, if NASCAR drivers today, the greatest drivers in the world, which they are, amen, and, and the greatest cars in the world, which they are, amen, cannot control those things, you think you're in control of your car? No, you're not. You're in control until you're not, and then you lose control of your car, and it's just hang on. The ocean's like that. You think you're fine, and then all of a sudden you're in a rip current, and you realize that's a whole lot more powerful than you, and we had a bunch of kids get in trouble, and I get a phone call from one of our youth pastors, and he said they're pulling kids out, they're putting some in the hospital. He goes, they're doing CPR on one of them. Pause. And he's, I said, is he dead? And I'm thinking about years of youth ministry done with a clean record, bringing every kid back. And I'm thinking about all that and more so, I don't know who this kid is. I don't know who this kid is. I'm thinking about all that. I'm thinking about, I'm gonna have to make a phone call to a family. I'm gonna have to go visit a family. I don't know if this is a Snellville kid or a Monroe kid or a New Hope kid. I don't know any of this yet. And he goes, I'll call you back. So regardless, I said, Elizabeth and Sarah were at the house. I said, let's go. And I just, I had my, I had t-shirt and shorts and, and flip-flops and, and I had my wallet and my phone and we got in the car and Sarah, did you drive or did you book the ticket? You don't remember? You drove and Elizabeth booked the ticket, which probably should have been the other way around because she's my organizer. And, and I was on a plane in an hour. I was on the plane in an hour, which I don't even know how that you do that. But I was on the plane in an hour. And I got there and, and things were okay. It was, it, was, it was scary. We had, there were still people in the hospital when I got there. I went and 
visited with the youth pastor and we talked through everything. I talked to the kids and just brought some calm. I went and visited the kids and prayed over those kids and stayed in there and until they got dismissed from the hospital and, and was there for a couple days. And um, I um, got a phone call and a picture that Harper had been born. And let me just be honest with you, the whole flight down there, I just wept over what, what was going on. I didn't know, when I got on the plane, I didn't know the fate of these kids. And I also, I'm like, I'm not gonna be there for my granddaughter's birth. I'm not gonna be able to hold her in these first two days. I'm not gonna get to see her. I can't, I, and, and, and I was just broken over that. You know, when I got that picture of her, do you know who I told? There's an easy one word answer. Everybody. I had to go to Walmart and get a sleeping bag and a toothbrush and deodorant and a t-shirt. And, and I told the clerk, at, at, I went to Taco Bell at, at 1 a.m. because that's like the only thing open. And, and I was telling, I told the person at this window and this window. And there's some dude waiting for his food. And we pulled up next to him. I go, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. Hey, I got a grandbaby. Let me show you the picture. That's, when we understand who Jesus is, got a message yesterday, my um, former pastor, Charles Lake, his wife, Vicki, who's university professor and author, amazing woman of God, um, died yesterday. Um, to be really fair and honest with you, um, when I came here, Charles and I had some issues between us. We've resolved those. I'm thankful for that. We've talked many times. I've gotten, I count him a great voice of wisdom in my life. Um, but Vicky, even in all of that, Vicky was great to us. Never was there any hint of anything other than just incredible love from this woman, this amazing woman of God. And Anita still says, you know, Vicky Lake, there's, there's great pastor's wives. This is not an affront to any of those, but Vicki Lake is the sweetest pastor's wife she's ever met. There, there may be she's ever met. There, there might be better teachers. There might, I don't know what else, but, but I mean, she was a great teacher too, but what a godly woman. Can you imagine what today's like for her? When she steps through that threshold and sees the fruit of her life and her ministry firsthand, and here's the deal, guys. It's this simple. Either that's true or it, either there is a God who made us, loved us, cares for us, gives us a hope of redemption, or we are little biological specks on a planet with no real answer for how we got here, but where we're going, I can answer that for you. Nothing. Either everything matters or nothing matters, and, it, and if and if. And if nothing matters, we are, I, I don't have a word that I can insert in there and it not be crude. 
And I don't use those words, so I'm not going to. This gospel is true and it's real and it's worth our life. Or, well, it is. It is, amen, it is. Here's the last thing, little bonus. Watch for Jesus. Because he's gonna be in the midst of it. Jesus, verse 23, when he began his ministry, he was about 30 years of old. All this is going on in John's life. But when you go back and you look, look at Luke 2, 40, 52, and then here, and Jesus is growing up, and Jesus, there's all this stuff going on, Annas and, and, and Simeon, and Jesus is growing up, and, 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 the, and then the, the elders in, in the temple, and they're talking to him, and then and Jesus is growing up. Jesus is in the background doing stuff, and then you're doing the thing that God calls you to do, and all of a sudden, I got goosebumps right now, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up in the midst of it. And you go, wow, look at that. I had no idea. So your grandkids in rebellion and they're identifying themselves by our culture and not their identity in Christ, which takes you nowhere. Again, if they're right, we're messed over, guys, bad. And the strong guy wins every time. And I've met some of them. I've been face to face with some of them around the world. I've met drug dealers in other countries, leaders of governments in other countries. I've met some of them. And if they're in control, you think Hitler had a basically good personality? There's people like that in the world. And if, and if the strong guy wins, those are the strong guys every time the Pol Pots of the world, the Idi Amin, those are the strong guys in the world. But they are not the strength. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. But listen, this is what the word of God says in 1 John. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a power that's bigger than all that brokenness. There's a power that's bigger than all that darkness. There's a power that's bigger than all those lies. There's a power that's bigger than all that falseness. And the question that you and I have to answer every single day in our moments is will we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding or will we try to walk in our power? And that's the question we gotta answer. And this morning we're gonna worship and we're gonna think about it a little bit. We've got communion, a reminder. Jesus said, do this often. This reminds us of his love for us, the bread, his body. It also reminds us of the power, his blood. His passion was greater than the powers of the world. It looked like evil had won. It had not. This morning, I was standing outside and this kid walks by from my Thrive Club 
which I'm going to just say is not very good. It's a mess. I, I, we get in there every week, and, and it's, it's out of control, and the lesson is about one-tenth of what I, we worked on, and they nailed and practiced and was so good, and, and it, it's, it's not very good. But there's this kid that I met, and he comes walking in, and I'm like, I will call him Ted. I said, hey, Ted, man, I, it's so good to see you. Are you here? Who brought you to church? He goes, oh, my mom. My mom's in, in Miss Anita's class. You know, you just do the things God calls you to do. And then God does his thing. And it starts making sense. And all he says is trust in me. So this morning, let's give him the stuff. You can come and pray. There's people back at the cross. We got communion. Let's worship. Jesus, let there be a burning in our bones that makes us weary not to talk about you. So weary that we just can't not do it. In Jesus' name.